The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Getting in and around with an old master, blowing away the Scottish top corner cobwebs. Boo! Park. Gabby Goal to West Ham. What actually is the threshold for a famous win? Which specific subtype of balloon is being evoked when we say ballooned over the bar? and a triple helping of some textbook keys and grey. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and a little later than usual, welcome to episode 124 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is reigning Football Clichés quiz champion Charlie Eccleshire. Has it sunk in yet? No, I've still got a pinch myself um yeah just just hearing you say those words is it's, it's fantastic welcome back uh, alongside you david walker how are you i'm very good very pleased to be back back in the swing of things and other yeah. uh, other associated new year's cliches mm. getting back to it mm. we are indeed we're seeing each other on the other side aren't yeah. we <laughs> <laughs> people promise it but never actually say when it happens i like the granularity at this time of year from like official club Twitter feeds, things like, the boys go out for their first warm-up of 2022. It's like, that doesn't feel that significant. I mean, where does it end? You know, the first throw-in of 2022. The first press conference here at Finch Farm. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dave, it would be um, remiss of us not to talk about this stunning collection of words. This was from Cristiano Ronaldo's Instagram, and somehow you haven't seen it yet. He said, 2021 is coming to an end and it was a far from being an easy year, despite my 47 goals scored across all competitions. <laughs> What's the best bit of that? Is it the all competitions thing? Yeah, I think all, yes. All so that means he's counting, so he's, without, I haven't looked at his record in detail, but is he counting sort of some ludicrous pre-season tournament in that or? I, I imagine so. it's competitive, but it's also, it's good doing it for international and club. Clearly, he's done. He's done that. Yeah. Um, it is incredible. We were talking about this earlier on View from the Lane, and Jack Pitbrook made the point that we so often talk about Instagram feeds of players not feeling authentic to the man, and yet this is so perfectly on brand for him. And it genuinely sounds like he might have written those words, and it's certainly a sentiment you feel he he would genuinely feel, and he would probably imagine that most of us feel it's been a tough year, but. Cristiano Ronaldo certainly, you know, lifted the gloom for for large parts. It's almost charming. Like, I mean, I, there's a, there's an ink, there's a little glimpse there of irony. I think Charlie. I feel like, I mean, he's he's, I he's don't social know. media is so shit, and yet I still think there's a little bit of. I if there is, then that's great. I don't imagine he's not known for his kind of self. Like, I genuinely think a part of him might think that he has, 
you know, lifted uh, lifted the gloom, not just for him, but, you know, for everyone. It's been, <laughs> yeah. 2021 was tough, but God, imagine what it would have been like without those 47 yeah, goals across all competitions. I feel like Ronaldo's one of these guys. We've, we've all got a sense of what we think he's like because of his sort of behaviour on the pitch and, you know, his sort of seeming obsession with, you know, his sort of image and his body and the whole celebration and the suit. But actually can't really recall ever hearing him speak. Well, there's that film about him, isn't there, where I think he does come across more or less as you would expect him to come across. It's, you know, he's not someone where you think, oh, actually, he's just the most humble, down-to-earth guy you'll ever meet. Mm. I don't think that is the case. I think the that quest for you know perfection and all of that does manifest itself in these quite... He's mates with Piers Morgan, isn't he? He's probably on quote-tweeting terms, which isn't friends, but yeah. still... Yeah. <laughs> On that, the other day there was um, some Twitter banter between Kevin Peterson and John Terry, which I just thought was such a perfect union. It it was along the lines. It was something like there was some banter about you can come to my house and have a look at my trophy cabinet or something like that. Yeah, the sort of banter you'd see between two teams who've drawn each other in European competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's real game recognises game with terry and uh, kp and i'm sure you know piers morgan is a good friend of kp as well would, would just love text to each other that. just text each other <laughs> i <laughs> bet they've 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 played golf haven't they those two they would have done yeah oh, God. <laughs> they must God. have done oh, it's so golfy anyway um enough of that we're here for the adjudication panel the first of 2022 and dave it's a new year but there's always time for an old master i've been impressed with the way that he's hung on to the ball and allowed people like mason mount and Callum Hudson-Odoi to get in and around him. Again, once you run in and around Jorginho, once they start getting a few bodies ahead of the ball and get Bissouma running, as I mentioned, in and around Jorginho, Chelsea do look vulnerable at times. Again, because of his pace, Tariq Lamptey, as soon as he gets it, Chelsea shirts want to get in and around the ball. The the OG of in and around, Dave. Um, That is... That is wonderful. The first three. The first three of those came in the space of five minutes, would you believe? It would be brilliant if we could get Andy Townsend on at some point mm, to, to, to talk to him about this stuff. Because I'd love to know how much he knows. Mm. I've, I've had a few dealings with him in the past and he was. He, I'm very pleased to say that he was extremely nice. Very nice man. But I, I never worked with him enough to get a sense of how much he was aware of the sort of Andy Townsend persona that lives on in spaces well, like this these is this is it if i ever met him i, th- I just, it's got to the point now it's been so long the townsend obsession i feel it would be, it'd be quite ghost charlie to actually ask him about it <laughs> just mm. that i can't talk i can't ask him about in and around it's like He's when we had ralph Ineson on like you can't ask him about finch yeah that'd a be, little bit. That, that'd be a little bit. so passe yeah I, that's exactly what i was thinking as he was saying that I, the, my favorite thing there says as i mentioned which does suggest he is he's aware that he has used the phrase in and around. But whether he's aware that he is like the godfather in many people's eyes of that I phrase. I like to think he's I like to think so. But he do, probably you just, I mean you, in the you, you know yeah. in the not for me Clive mm. sort of way, you yeah. think he probably would be aware. You of just it. don't know how these Russian dolls of universes fit into each other. Like, mm. you know, our little tiny corner of the football discourse would would the likes of him really be aware, but who knows? Um, but interesting from that. Because it, was, it became very repetitive, but he had a very specific focus of much of it, Charlie, which was Jorginho, who mm. I would argue is probably the most in and around inducing player in existence. Yeah, that's a really good shout. Um, I mean, yeah, in and around, 
Although, actually, the thing with him is he is really press resistant. He's mm. he's very good at that. So I guess you're trying to he test is, that technically, but he still he still exudes get into him, doesn't he? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah you fit despite the fact that he is actually really good at getting out of mm. tight spaces. You fit trap. That, yeah, the aim would still be look if you can get in and around your genius. Mm, yeah, doesn't let's try it. and stop him doing what he does. But yeah, wonderful to see the original and best still at it. <laughs> Andy Townsend. On to uh, more mundane business for the Football Clichés adjudication panel. This was via Jim Douglas. This is Motherwell's Kevin Van Veen, uh, known as the Budget Bird Camp, I should add. <laughs> Scoring a free kick against Livingston on Boxing Day, as called by BBC Scotland's Andrew Petrie. Right into the spider's web! <laughs> what? How do we feel? <laughs> the spider's web! <laughs> Evocative, bit Halloweeny. Yeah, but I mean, I can see, I can sort well, of see it. Is he is saying? This... Is he in like spiders? You, you get a bit of cobweb up in the corner of the yeah. of the, of the room. Yeah, any right, ang- any available right angle is yeah, destined well, to have a spider's well, web. But well, you say that. You say that. Yep. Would the spider's web not be in the back corner of the oh. net? Well, because it? it needs a, it needs like a back, right? It needs a thing to. No, it just need, you need two angles. That's it for spider web. Yeah, Come on. but I'm thinking of like when you, know, you, you know when you're doing the Hoover and you've got the big extension up in the. It's always in the corner of the room, isn't Can't it? It's that. never just like on a wall <laughs> on a shelf. But I, just, I think top corner works for what he's going with here, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, postage stamp is inherently ridiculous as well. So yeah, I'm not saying it's good, but I think if he's going for spider's web, I think it it, it that's just about that just about works for what he's saying. I don't think this is a Scottish thing, though, Dave necessarily hmm. maybe he's a spider-man fan maybe he just watched the new film trying to be topical. yeah there's been a lot about that with in relation to spurs with celebrations and this sort of thing which is kind of past I don't, i'm not yeah bit. i don't think it's going to catch on though really the spider's fair web fair enough nice to hear though well done to andrew petrie a first of several slices of keys and gray for you oh. um, i don't i don't just pick these you know just for the sake of it these this is Pure gold. Charlie, let's kick off with Keys and Gray discussing VAR and offside. This was Harry Kane being adjudged marginally off against Southampton. Let's hear what they had to say. It's, it's just classic. He's deeper. Yeah. There you go. Now, where's now, the gap? Where is the gap in these lines? Sure, where, where, where's the gap? <laughs> if you put the red line on top of the blue, which yeah, it, it's easy to do. But that's they're on top of each uh, other. Richard, I, I'm looking at that, and we can even see. If, if people talk about feet, right? We can see Kane's way back there, and now they're judging something that he's leaning on. Look, he's leaning forward. Look, there's no gap. No gap. <laughs> there's no gap at all. Now, Kane scored a lot of goals, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ever seen him score one with his armpit? No. Ah, there we go. Never. Never seen him score with his armpit. And that's why that's a nonsense decision. That's how close that is. But look how on side. All of Kane's body is. All of it. Apart from that strip. That foot. There you go. So we're finding reasons here, ridiculously, <laughs> to disallow... Martin Atkinson found a reason, and he should not have done. No, he and, shouldn't. And, and there's an absolute nonsense that we're back where we were, and, and we put pressure on them, Andy, week in, week out last season, in order for this not to be the case. And they did change. They did decide that, that, that we were right. Hmm? But here we are back ah, again. I guarantee in the same place I, that we were when we started. I guarantee you, right, had that goal been given, and Atkinson hadn't gotten involved, as he shouldn't have done, Martin Ralph Hasenhutl would never have mentioned it. Not so. He would never have mentioned it. Of course not. Because it's not <laughs> offside. Charlie, oh. Charlie, listen... 
let's take a high level approach to this one first of all. Atkinson. It contains all the vital ingredients you need of a proper football band conversation about VAR and offside. <laughs> Everything you could possibly need. <laughs> Yep, and it also they. I love the, this dynamic now of saying uh, asking a question so it can be dismissed with a no, yep, nope, yep. Never scores on, but no. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's majestic, and I, the only surprise is he doesn't mention Mike Riley, who yeah, readers, of, yeah, readers of Richard Keyes' blog will know is one of his many bet noirs. Uh, but yeah, that Martin Atkinson was uh, Martin. The disdain. And yeah, what you don't see just isn't it? He's just pointing at the line. It's just very pointing it. It's very Brent pointing at the fluffy toy in the office, isn't it? Dan? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Just going, uh, with his, it, Richard Keyes inexplicably going with the middle finger for the pointing as well. <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> I didn't spot that. Well, uh, but that, that in itself is very attention. very keysy. Uh no, that that was that was a joy. An absolute joy. I mean, do they again, do they know what they're doing? They must. Keezy's not an idiot. He's a clever I man. I, I know. I have long thought this, but I don't know. No do. one's. There's no one. No one has ever suggested that you can score a goal with your armpit. Yeah. They're not drawing it. The line doesn't go to the armpit. It goes to the shoulder, bit of the shoulder that you can use, but you I never know, do. Dave. I know, Dave. And it's easy for us to ridicule every word that they've said there. But in a way, they are representing a huge proportion mm. of VAR discourse amongst mm. regular. Oh, no, no. Fans. This is exactly what a lot of people are saying, rightly or wrongly. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And I should say as well, like you do, I I watched a game very recently with someone of the kind of demographic that people (laughs) like kids go to appeal to. And it is a reminder when you hear commentary as well that for us is eye rolly does get laughs. And you're kind of like, I can't believe people find that funny. But so by extension, I imagine there are lots of people watching that and being like, Absolutely. And, and I had to, whilst uh, in the festive period, I was off, so I wasn't at the game, but I watched the game on, on BN Sports. And the commentator, I can't, I don't even know who it was. I was really curious, but I couldn't work it out. Was one of the worst kind of old school, <laughs> just hating everything modern to the point where Harry Winks was coming on and uh, one of the assistant coaches or something she was showing him on an iPad. He was like, <laughs> This does my head in. He's an England international. Hmm. He shouldn't need to be told anything when he's going on the pitch. It's like, what? Like, That's what's the it, You've moved it, from Hinchcliffe to Pratt's. It wasn't. No, but it wasn't. I mean, Hinchcliffe's oh. very different. This was like a real. Um, yeah. This was way more of a kind of veteran. It, it took Head you on back. over to the internet commentator database and find out. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. I'm really curious to find out. ICDB, I mean, get over Because this was a real throwback to. You know, when you're asked, like, what, why is a commentator so bad, so grating? This was like going back 15 years or something where they just seem to hate everything about modern football. But a lot of people would have agreed with him and thought it's ridiculous. You don't need to show someone what they need to do when they come on. Just tell them to go and play. Get in and around them. Yeah. Well, finally on this point, Dave, at what stage of all this, given how deep we are into VAR whinging, is it not going to be worthwhile for someone to make a silly little withering quip about armpits? And ignore all the technical nuances and and practicalities of VAR. It's just it's impossible for some people to be able to resist talking yeah. about. Oh, it's an armpit. I mean, you can't score it. You can't score your armpit. I think we're a long way from that point where people just cease to be worried or or indeed sort of learn the nuances. Because I spent almost a solid sort of twenty four hour period in a heated discussion on WhatsApp with an Arsenal fan about the Edison Odegaard penalty incident. And sometimes it gets, it's like 
bloody JFK. And they're trying to find this, there's a Zapruder film that proves that, that this is a definitive penalty. And that there's, and, and at one stage, my mate said that there aren't enough cameras. <laughs> there needs to be, there needs to be a camera. There needs to be a network of cameras above the pitch to provide the definitive bird's eye view at all times. And I was like, well, that's just impossible. Isn't How can they amazing? do that? How demanding people get about this sort of thing. How, you know, this is the Premier League, Charlie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a billion-dollar industry in the world. We don't have drones <laughs> looking at every possible billion-dollar industry. That is exactly it. Exactly it. Anyway, enough about VAR. Um, I think I think we've tapped into that. It's not the first time I've dug this particular mate out on this podcast, so I do yeah, feel yeah. slightly bad. But he definitely Good. deserves it. Good. Settle as many scores as you like. Um, <laughs> as you like. This is from Dominic Foot. Francis Benali before Southampton versus Spurs, mangling his cliches over Mohamed Salasu. <laughs> Now, Charlie, Charlie, I wouldn't normally do so. I wouldn't normally leap on this, this sort of thing. Someone basically tripping over their words, but I like this particularly because, despite the cut and shut cliche situation, it retained one hundred percent of its meaning and sense. It, yeah. it, it, it works perfectly well. He's got his hands cut out. If I said that to you, I reckon your brain would accept it first of all. Before you oh go, yeah, I know oh, it's all right. It could definitely fill in the gaps. It just sounds like it's quite a savage punishment. You know, you go there thinking you're marking Sun Hyung Min, and you come out of the game with your hands cut out or cut off. This um, this reminds me, Dave, of, of when we wrongly accused Jamie Radnap of saying he would, uh, someone would suck your hands off for three oh, points. Oh, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> A real low moment. So disappointing that he didn't actually Did say it. Did he not it. say it? No. no. Really, uh, really. Every time I listen to the clip, it gets less and less likely that he said oh, such. And it's, um, it's, yeah, it really does ruin it for me. But um, but yeah, I do enjoy the, the mangling of a cliche, Dave. And, and in this case, it, it, it's actually quite elegant. Yeah. And I think said with a certain confidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Didn't yeah. stumble over it, just went for it. No. Mm. His hands cut out. I wanted to say, alert you guys actually as well. I, I know, Adam, you like your football-y type cliches moving into the mainstream and I heard on the radio this morning someone from Sage saying that the government hadn't covered itself in glory with vaccines for <laughs> 2 to 15 for 12 to 15 year olds which I thought was was a, a great we went deep on that phrase we um did. L- last year yeah so it's, it's good to hear that that's being used kind at the of, highest level as well kind of applies quite well quite like it yeah 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 well put Sage Van Tam's influence growing mm. by the day <laughs> Um, anyway, um, here's your next slice of keys and grey. This is um, this was at the halftime interval of a very eventful Arsenal versus Manchester City. Presumably, quite a lot to talk about, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. uh, but keys and grey decided to talk about their top three <laughs> players of all time. Here's uh, here's Andy Gray first. One, two, three. Andy, top three, best ever. Uh, Pele, Maradona, best. See, my point was, we were watching the first half, my point to Nigel was, most people, when they mention their top three, don't put Cruyff in it. Cruyff. And I'll guarantee you didn't. I put Cruyff in it, but of I don't put George did. Best in it. Of course yeah, you do. Exactly. But most, but people, most people don't put Johan Cruyff in their most best people will three do. ever. Most people won't put George Best in it. Oh, they will. Oh, no. I think there will be lots of people in the UK. In the UK. Yes, but no, international-wise. Well, yeah, well, no. no, no chance. No chance. Uh, that, that's that's a fact. As anybody outside of Britain, yeah, of their top three 
favorite players that would not put George Best in it. With all, due, with all respect for George Best. Okay, and let's not make it a yes. discussion about George Best. Let's remove him from the conversation. I still make the case <laughs> that most people right. do not put Johan Cruyff in their top so three. But that's an opinion. That is an opinion. before Cruyff is... I think there's this generation. That's a generation, right? That's a generation. Right. I mean, <laughs> Charlie, on my agenda for this, <laughs> number one, there is number so one. so much to unpick here. When Andy Gray it gives out his quick fire three, he gives off that very specific glare that people do, says, have some of that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And then the second thing is, De Jong, brilliant here, by the way, the no. disagreement over George Best, in, in, what, in which he is perfectly correct, but Andy Gray not having any of it. I love it. I love that. Also, it's so then to turn this into like a weird parochial best of British sort of like as if this who's having this debate and what prompted them during the first half of this as you this say hugely it. eventful Arsenal City game as we were talking about during the game I'm just saying it's so partridge it's such a non sequitur exactly. why exactly rightly or wrongly Dave you wouldn't get this on Sky Sports where they're you know they're so on it you know they will always they will talk about the refereeing decisions and they'll stay in the present all the time this is the equivalent of you coming into a pub late and your mates are ushering you over going go over we're talking about we're talking about our top three players of all time right and right, these these are Andy's, right? Let me see what you think. <laughs> it's it's glorious. It is glorious. And I love the way that Keezy says Cruyff and then goes, stops himself and goes, Cruyff. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know De Jong's been correcting Because he's in the presence the of a Dutchman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the, yeah. I, I have to say, the autonomy that those two must have, that they can... <laughs> <laughs> Rather than analysing this first step, that they feel empowered to have this massively discursive and, dare I say, irrelevant. <laughs> it's it's Arsenal Man City. Come on, it would be remiss of us not to debate whether Johan Cruyff was one of the best three players well, of all time. Obviously, it's one of the most futile conversations ever. I mean, it's like it's like picking your five best favourite albums. It's literally a waste of time. If you unless you're having this conversation with yourself, it's a complete waste of time. Um, but the specifics of Cruyff, as if that's been a talking point, mm, like as if there's some hook, yeah. like the Ballon d'Or's just happened and Ronaldo hasn't won it, so they're debating is Ronaldo on the best three? But there is, there's nothing. I mean, maybe there's some context here. It's but, just when they were I in mean, a break, the idea of Keezy just leaning over, leaning over towards Gray and said, "Let's wind up, DJ, shall we? Come on, yeah. let's wind him up." Uh, that was just part one. Here's part two. This is where Richard Keys gets involved. Or well, this is equally sensational. Yeah, but if you're talking for me, the best three ever, you would Pele, magnificent, a thousand goals. Come on, um, what Maradona? And there's a probably a cigarette paper between the two of them. Yeah, enormously influential yeah. Maradona. Yeah. Um, then you've got big Ronaldo, you've got Van Basten. <laughs> look at, look yeah. at him. It's just, it's just, yeah. It was always going to devolve into chuckling, Charlie. Or at any stage, it was just going to be like just, a, just a loads of avuncular chuckling. <laughs> the, the great thing as well with that is I can well imagine on another day, Keys debunking the thousand goal thing. <laughs> Andy, how many of those goals were scored against top flight opposition? No, not many. Okay. Compare that with Lionel Messi, and how many goals has he scored against Real Madrid alone? Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's quite surprising that he, he really buys into that. But this is as well. Just just this this whole thing is very on brand with his blog, where non sequiturs are what makes it so special. He'll just lurch from one 
topic to the next. And so it, I'm I'm pleased to see that that's infiltrating the uh, the BN coverage as well. I was um, massively unsurprised, Dave, to see Kizzy run out of steam after his first two. I knew the third one was going to be a real struggle for him, and, <laughs> as, it, as it kind of should be for most people. It's like, I mean, this is a this is a critical decision. You pick your two absolute bankers. What's your third one going to be? It could be anybody. And I kind of before he sort of started winding up. Nigel de Jong with Van Basten. I kind of half expected him to go into, here's one for you. Bit of a curveball. Peter Shilton. Yeah. <laughs> 125 caps. Played till he was 48, I think. I think it was. Andy? Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm just, okay. I mean, just that, trying that, to think that, of that the is... right level of player that he would pick for his curveball. Shilton. I mean, that... That is the, uh, the Laurent Blanc equivalent. <laughs> yeah. One of the finest moments. It couldn't be too hipster. It can be, yeah, it can no, be, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Stuart Pierce. Stuart Pierce. Done it at two major tournaments. <laughs> is a club legend. And of course, what about Duncan Edwards, by the way? <laughs> Could have been better than all of them. Our good friend Steve Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> it, would be, it would be a B in pundit. <laughs> That's fair to say. We've overlooked this angle. But yeah. Um, I love the fact that he called, um, he, called he said Big Ronaldo. I've never heard yeah. of Big Ronaldo before. Yeah. Is it the tall one or is it the... Yeah, no idea. No idea. Yes, it's more palatable. I mean, yeah, or someone like Ray Wilkins, who yeah. he refers to as his little mate. The late, great. Yeah. What a player. Butch. Let's let's uh, keep our... <laughs> oh, I really want to know who his third is. Because <laughs> also, there's no reason not to just say Messi or Ronaldo. Out. But yeah. he's obvi- he will obvi- definitely have some beef with like, how many bad teams has he played for, Andy? None. Exactly. How, how could he... We don't know how good he is because he's only played for Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain. Well, keep some of your uh, keys and grey powder dry because you've got a little bit coming up later on. Dave, when I saw that Everton 2, Brighton and Hove Albion 3 was into its final throws on Sunday afternoon, I really... I couldn't find an illegal stream quick enough before the end of this game because uh, a real treat was in store. <laughs> Over you. That is a real chorus of booze. That's a chorus. I was going to say that's a chorus. There's a warmth to it, isn't there, Dave? There, there's a real, there's a, there's a, there's real heft to it. Mm. Uh, that's you know that sounds like almost the entire stadium. Very Not few even... fan bases could produce something like that, Charlie. There's certainly a familiarity to it. The the iconic Goodison Park booing. The last one of 2021, or was it the first one of 2022? Definitely more than a more than a smattering. Isn't oh it? yeah, much more than oh, a smattering. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing in between, really, is there? A smattering or a chorus? Smattering of booze, chorus of booze. You could have a cacophony, as someone pointed right. out to me. Yeah. Do, do you uh, have a loud chorus of booze? I think it's implied. Don't think you could have a quiet one. But it got me thinking about full-time booing, Dave, because normally when you hear it, usually it just feels like a kind of spontaneous thing. They hear the final whistle and they think, right, that, that was rubbish. I'm going to boo. But in this particular example, it really rams home that it's been building up. Like they're waiting for the final mm. whistle. The final whistle just, just, doesn't just happen. They're just like, all right, I'm waiting for this. Because as soon as he blows, I'm going to launch into it. And you could you could feel the, the, the energy meter of this boo, like a hundred percent ready to go. Yeah, really, really, really good. And I'm, I'm not surprised either. I remember being... I remember being at Goodison Park for a Europa League game in 2017, I think. So I think it was Koom- so in Koeman's season and or when he was about to be sacked and it was not going well. They'd spent a load of money in the summer. And as I recall, Davy Klaassen was playing in central midfield and 
he was getting booed whilst playing. But it was just he, everything he did, he was he went wrong, and he to the point where he was petrified of getting the ball. Are Everton one of those clubs where they will turn easily? They must be, I suppose. Very knowledgeable crowd. I'm starting to think it's an architectural thing. Like Goodison is boo conducive. Do you think it is an old old Tight, English stadium? Compact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, something about the Gladys end. I, I do feel as well, like booing, uh, <laughs> booing is one of those really lazy ways of kind of analysing a game because booing actually happens really quite frequently. Like if you mm. go to any of the big six clubs and they're losing at home to a not very good team, there'll be boos. It's not yeah. that significant, but it's kind of held up sometimes as like, uh, they've turned, you know, that they must want the manager out. It's kind of like, that's just disgruntled fans now the general boo threshold has been lowered significantly massively hasn't it, over the years massively yeah. it really uh, doesn't mean a this lot. was still boo worthy no no this was yeah, big yeah, this yeah. was proper booing yeah yeah, yeah. not to be yeah, confused yeah. with this this is a proper with all due respect to brighton oh and we should take nothing away from from their win but yeah. um yeah no th- this was significant but sometimes it feels you know booze at half time so yeah it's just because they're losing at home to a crap team absolutely right meanwhile the january transfer window has flown open dave and um, a real strong start to the rumour mill. West Ham have held talks over the signing of Flamengo striker Gabriel Barbosa, with the Brazilian, who is nicknamed Gabigol, keen on a move to England. First thing to pick out here, Dave, is that um, we're going to have to get over the fact that his nickname is Gabigol and not have to not have to just ham-fistedly remind everyone of it. Either go for Gabigol, which I hope people don't, or Gabriel Barbosa. Yeah, I don't want Gabigol. If it's on his no. shirt, I'm kicking off. That's my game's no, gone. It can't be on his That's shirt. That's my line. What, as in... I think it will be. It could be. I mean, Hulk. Or the yeah, Hulk, as I Jamie see. Redknapp used to call him. <laughs> I suppose so. And Kuhn Aguero, he had, he had Kuhn on his shirt. He had he? Kuhn, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they... But Gabby Goal, that is... It's too football-y. Yeah, I know you mean. It's like Seaman having safe hands on his shirt. <laughs> yeah, that is it! That is it! That's sensationally good imagine? point. That's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, um, yeah, it could be a real potential game has gone moment. Um, but this continues, Charlie. Gabigol wants to play in the Premier League. It feels like it would give him the best chance to cement his place as Brazil's starting striker at this year's World Cup in Qatar, say Sky Sports. I mean, how old is Gabigol now? So he's he's only 25. I feel like he's been, a, been around forever. Well, the former Inter Milan forward watches all of West Ham's games, it says here. And he's said to be impressed with the job David Moyes is doing. <laughs> 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 but the thing is... I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm not saying he doesn't watch all West Ham's games. Why wouldn't he? But I'm fascinated by this last bit of him being impressed by the job David Moyes is doing because there is only one way to express that, and that is, what a job David Moyes is doing down there. And I like to think that's all he ever said. By the way, in Portuguese, yeah. By the yeah. Way. What a job David Moyes is doing over there. I suppose he'd say over there, wouldn't he? Yeah, down there, up there in the northern hemisphere. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. On to the real crisis club of the moment and a question from Nathan Allen, Charlie, who who wants to know whether Manchester United nil, Wolves 1 really is a famous win. It's mm. quite it's quite an innocuous phrase, famous win, aren't they all? Mm. But I feel like there's, there should be some criteria here. Is it a famous mm. win? Well, wasn't it their first win there in a really really long time that's part of it which tends to contribute to famous winness it's a bit patronizing though <sighs> is it but yes a little bit but i guess by its nature it, it, it's going to be an upset or most of the time it will be i do think that if this was say 
10, well, 10 years ago, I mean, 15 years ago, they've been shit for so long, 15 years ago, let's say, like, then it would be more fake. I don't feel teams winning at Old Trafford is that famous. I mean, it's not that big of a deal anymore, is it? Yeah, th- th- there was a time when it was the default. Any win at Old Trafford for an away team was a famous win. And it feels, it's maybe a little bit of a hangover from that. Because really beating the team that's at the moment, where are they, seventh or something, when Wolves moved to within a point, a place of them. And so... You, you say the, the bar for booing much. is low. I think the bar for famous win is really low. I mean, mm. I, I appreciate they hadn't won there for a very, very long time. Their record at Old Trafford had been particularly bad. But that's the sort of thing that only Wolves fans will know about. But are they gonna no one's going into that game going, oh, Wolves haven't years? won at Old Trafford for a long time, have they? No one knows that stuff. I fear for this phrase. I fear for <laughs> it. Because it, it really is thrown around willy-nilly. And it won't be, but we won't remember it, will we? You know, we're not going to be... If we're watching... If you we're try watching telling Premier, their fans that. Premier League years... 21, 22 in five years' time, we won't be going, oh, yeah, that famous... Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that famous win that, oh, that Wolves got on the 3rd of January. We can quantify this. We can take a semi-scientific approach to this. My, my overall point here is that famous win Im- implies that you are a club of a certain stature winning at one of the big six. That's basically what it means. Almost regardless of context. It doesn't really matter about your previous record, I don't think, although it did contribute here. So let's go down the Premier League table and see at which point it, it starts to kick in. So Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, West Ham. If they any of those win at Old Trafford, is not a famous win. I think we're fair to say. Tottenham, no. Wolves are the next team. Uh, and I think that's probably where it, I would maybe start to think it kicks in. So no, maybe it doesn't no, work. keep going. Who's next? Brighton are next. Brighton's famous win, isn't Brighton, it? Brighton, if Brighton won at Old Trafford... I'd be much more inclined to call it a famous win than than Wolves. Wolves have a weird sort of sheen about them. They're they're Wolves have Wolves beaten everyone away. They've had a lot of the. They've beaten pretty much everyone away. Yeah, uh, even when Wolves exactly. are in terrible form, you still think they're really good because there's like, oh god, look at that. Yeah, they're ta- when you hear the word famous win, the, the phrase famous win, what is the what is the most famous win that pops into your heads? Oh well, at Old Trafford, at Old Trafford, when Middlesbrough went and beat them three 0 in December '98 after which United went on this crazy unbeaten run in all competitions for the rest of the season. That, to me, that was a famous win. I was thinking of Leeds beating Man United in the FA Cup Mm. when they're in League One at Old Trafford. Yeah, that's an upset. So, that that is, you know, enshrined in upset is famous win. What about the Southampton wins against United, those 6-3 in the the, the other one? That was at the Dell, wasn't it, though? Does that count? Does that matter? It is, fa- it is literally a famous win, though, isn't it? Yes, almost, it's almost infamous, it's though, actually. I suppose. Yeah, it's famous for slightly different reasons. United were mighty then, though. But now I feel like it's only Old Trafford. Because I don't think you could get... A, you couldn't get a famous win at the Emirates. You could probably get one at the Etihad. Maybe Stamford Bridge? Anfield, certainly. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Anfield and Old Trafford are the only ones. Last season, there was a run of famous wins at Anfield because they lost at home to Burnley, didn't they? Didn't Fulham that must beat there? That must have been a famous Burnley win. Burnley must have been a famous win. Yeah, I and mean, also because it ended their long run. That's That's got to be famous, yeah. One of these moments on this podcast where I think, if someone is listening to this for the first time, they're like, fuck, are they on about? Or, but this is important. Or is drifting in and out of sleep. And it's like, yeah, No. I mean, I mean, I've thought... Another example, right, is relates to the Wolves thing. If I say to you, Watford won, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool nil, Watford won from September 1999. Do you remember that? 
I do remember that. It's a famous win for Watford. Who scored the Watford goal, Charlie? Oh, that's a really good question. I think it was a Vesterveld error of some sort, but I can't remember who actually scored the goal. Who was it, Dave? Can you remember? Tommy Mooney. Tommy Mooney oh, scored, it. and we won at Anfield. And that is a famous win for Watford fans. Always referenced whenever we go to to Anfield in the league or whatever on our sort of in club social media or kind of. That's Watford, fine. It doesn't Watford have to Twitter transcend when Watford. we go to Anfield. So, so that thing that that win the other night for. For Wolves will be a famous win for Wolves. Is, is that is that the bar? Does it just have to be famous to the? Yeah, club I think that's supporters? enough. I mean, I'm going to forget about it in a, in a couple of weeks, <laughs> um, and, and and that's fine. There's other things to focus on, but yeah, it's right on the borderline. But anybody below Wolves, Wolves are basically occupying that strange, just outside the European places spot, which appears to coincide with. Where famous win stops. Can you declare a famous win in the moment? Does there need to be yeah. some distance? But they always are in oh, the yeah. moment. Because always fight. straight after a famous victory, they, they they do tend to be. And maybe that's an issue. Maybe we need to see. Give it a year. Is can we even remember it? If not, not famous. Well, actually, no. This is this is we've got it here. It's declared in the moment. It's also declared in retrospect. Definitely. So what we should do is declare before the match. If they win, is it going to be a famous one? <laughs> and that's it. And that's if because because that's it. It removes all the context, and then you just get, it just makes you think: Is it a famous win? Would it be a famous win? If the answer is yes, then fine, continue. Got it. Nailed it. Uh, there you go, Nathan Allen. More bigger questions that came out of this game, Charlie. Chris Duncan says at the final whistle, Bruno Large blew a kiss at the camera. Not having a manager doing that, players only. Mm, wow. It was a bit kind of vote for me on Strictly I thought <laughs> I did notice that yeah I feel like managers should never address the camera at any stage yeah he, he broke the fourth wall that, that mm. when that when that camera is on when that cameraman with the with the, the camera that they hold on the big thing is on the pitch you just sort of you're trained to just mm. ignore it look straight ahead or maybe do the old hand over the mouth conversation. Literally, thing. one of the most underrated skills in football management is ignoring the camera when it pans around your head. Yeah, <laughs> how uncomfortable must that be? It must be awful. But it's the same as if you are at a wedding reception and there's a photographer doing the rounds. Don't look into the camera. Mm. Just, they want action shots. Documentary style. Don't of break the spell, Bruno Large. But what's next? Fourth officials looking into the camera. Can't have it. Don't Speaking like of it. which, was it? Co- did I notice? It? Was Kevin Friend the linesman for the um, no. for the City game? Was he for the for the for the Arsenal City game? Story was that the um, the uh, the linesman was late. Didn't turn up. No. The, yeah, he was late. He was half, about half an hour late, and so they decided that Kevin Friend would run the line, and there wouldn't be a fourth official. So he was just late. I mean, how mortifying but must that be? Is he qualified to do that? Is he exceptional, yeah. or can they all do that? Yeah, it's like it's like it would be like a pilot taking on the co-pilot's duties. That's basically how I understand it. But I don't know if it is like that. No, because I don't think there's a separate linesman's course. This is a billion-dollar industry. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it just it just felt so Sunday League that it was like, oh, can, do you mind running the lines? Like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I think it's officially but, and unofficially regarded as a secondary job. Wow. Try telling Darren Can that. They're called assistant referees, aren't they? So they are referees. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, assistant referee. That's yeah, no, you're right. Darren can nonsense. never get the call up to be the man in the middle. <laughs> he did Mike he... Malarkey doing a, a famous victory for someone. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, but it did strike me at the time, Dave, that it must be quite annoying that when you've got the, the fourth official gig on, on, on a New Year's Day or whatever, oh, and then suddenly yeah. you're pressed into linesman duties. Oh, oh God, yeah. What? 
Wish I hadn't. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've gone, he's, he's, Kevin Friend might have got. Oh, I've, I've, I'm only fourth official at this game. I can, I can go a bit. I can go a bit bigger on New Year's Eve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can absolutely. definitely have a big Huge one. <laughs> um, sweating, sweating Guinness <laughs> on the touchline. <laughs> Let's stick to events at Old Trafford on Monday night because um, we do like a tenuous statistic on this podcast, Charlie. Here's one from the Premier League: history maker books emoji. At 35 years and 117 days old, João Moutinho is the oldest visiting player to score a winning goal at Old Trafford in the Premier League. Unpack yep. that, if you will. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Who's the next one? That's all at, I want to know. At least it's from a significant moment and it's not the kind of... He's the oldest player to create more than five chances, yeah, yeah. In it, which which has become all too uh, all too commonplace. I mean, one one that wound me up, and I saw getting so much traction was it being the eighth goal or whatever it was that Harry Kane had scored on Boxing Day, <laughs> because it's just like that. What does that tell you that what he's really good at abstaining he on Christmas Day? Day? He loves Boxing Day, or does it tell you that he's played more games on Boxing Day than other days because a lot of games are played? It's just so like I don't know what I'm learning from that. Just want to know who's in second place. I'm sure the, we can uh, find that out. In the pantheon of Grim elderly goal scorers, decisive elderly goal scorers at in the Premier League era. It'll be, I, bet, I bet it's someone who's like 31 or something like that. It'd be Decanio, probably. <laughs> oh, but that was FA, FA Cup. Cup. Was FA Cup. Jeez, um, that might be why that caveat had to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I promise you more keys and grey. And here it is in the uh, aftermath of United's ignominy against Wolves at Old Trafford. Andy Gray gave it everything as he talks about giving it everything. But you walk off that pitch having given everything. You're not looking round but what for someone this? to how help many, you with that, are how you? Many, how, many of them, how many of those Manchester United players have walked off that pitch, can honestly walk into that dressing room, stand in front of that mirror and say, do you know what? I gave everything to him. <laughs> that is exquisite. So many, oh, I love the chi- I love the little mini chapters of that, Charlie. Go into the dressing room, stand in front of that mirror, stand in front of that mirror, that one. Ha- you have to question how many people are going to be doing that. Not enough. I mean, he, he but he's tapped into. I mean, because that was the Harry Maguire that we listened to uh, uh, sometime last year, wasn't it? When he there were so many elements to the mirror. You know, we've got to be able to look ourselves in the mirror, stand in front of that mirror. So Gray, Gray's tapped into that. And he can that, look at himself in the mirror and feel feel proud after that. I, I just, yeah, I love the idea that if Andy Gray were to find himself in the hot seat at Old Trafford, that he would make every player come in the dressing room, stand in front of the mirror. And, say, go on, and go ask on. themselves if ask, they gave it everything. Ask yourself. <laughs> I reckon a modern Premier League footballer could carry that off, regardless of how much effort they put in in the game. I think they could do it. I want to end this Keys and Grey mini edition with this last bit of not-at-all pre-prepared bit of banter with Nigel De Jong. Uh, Nigel De Jong with Andy and myself tonight. Nigel's mates just texted him with a very astute line, I thought. Uh, Ralph <laughs> Ranick's Manchester United have a new kind of pressing, Nigel, don't they? It's called depressing. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be good. one more laugh. Very depressing if you're yeah, a Manchester United fan. Wolves winning at Old Trafford. <laughs> 1-0. Reaction to come. <laughs> the, the last little cackle from Gray. He always gets one more in. <laughs> the last uh, laugh. Nigel de Jong really becoming part of the gang. I think he's like on yeah. the regular, regular on their podcast that, they, that they've started doing. 
obviously. I can't listen to the and, podcast. I can't. And yeah, he's very much very much part of the part of the part of the crew. I'm fascinated to know how he feels about this sort of weird role he's found him in himself in as the yeah. kind of I don't know, the filling in the keys grey sandwich. Hmm. It's the slightly wood. odd couple, isn't it? But it's but it does work. Yeah, it just does. There was um there was an inevitable no mandatory, should I say, twist in the Old Trafford defeat tale, which is Paul Scholes taking to social media. In this example, uh, he it was an Instagram story from Paul Scholes in which he wrote, fucking joke, poo emoji, and then five houses emojis. Now, hmm. this is at this point, Charlie, I start to sympathise with people whose job it is to write articles <laughs> relaying what someone said on social media. Because it's often an awkward task. Five houses. Yeah, especially with the, yeah, the growth of emojis. I, I, I honestly don't know how anyone could physically type those words. What do we think it does? What does it mean? Shit five. house, I assume. Oh, shit, shit houses. houses. So one shit, five houses. Right, okay. They all share it. As we learnt from Troy Deeney's autobiography, ah, his, yeah. uh, he he uh, he or indeed the person who wrote it put an emoji in the in the book that's right. on that's the page. Right. So maybe yeah. maybe that's what you do now. You just you just put the emoji into the to into it. the copy. Yeah. I just don't think of calling players who've unperformed as shit houses. You know, so shit houses is like Sergio Busquets or something. I wouldn't call. Like, I'm surprised he didn't call them, I don't know, like a disgrace or... Very versatile word. He can sort of mean someone who's not putting it in, who's taking mm. the piss. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. there's regional variations of this, mm. I think. Uh, and shithouse basically means anything now. Mm. Actually, yeah, I heard someone call a ref a shithouse, <laughs> which, again, <laughs> surprised me a little bit. Uh, who knows? It's most common usage of them these days is sort of for the wind-up merchant, as yeah. you said, like you know, Busquets or someone who's time wasting or whatever. Take but a, I think I think the original mick. meaning is a little bit more towards what Skulls are saying. It's someone who's disingenuous, like right. will give you the impression that they're part that they're a team player, but actually they don't give a shit. Mm, maybe, maybe. But yeah, had to report it. Duty bound to report yeah. whatever Paul Skulls says on social media after a Manchester United defeat. Um, <laughs> two very important questions to finish with, please. Enjoyed this over Christmas, Dave, from Matty Blake. A true Matty as well on the back of this. He says, can a darts player regroup? Just heard it on Sky. Oh, yeah, I was watching. Well, I'm, I'm, it may have been in a different match, but I heard the same thing in the final when I was watching right. that on Monday. And Are you sure? You well, they they sort of do have they've got that little table that they go over to and they can like change their darts or they can have a little drink. That's not what this that's not what this is about. It's not about whether they have the opportunity to do it. It's about whether they are capable. It's about whether one person in a solo sport is capable of regrouping. I say they are not, Charlie. <laughs> you hear this a lot though in individual sports. Tennis? Yeah, I was I mean, you know where I'm going with this. But yeah, you'll often hear he's 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 She's got to regroup. You know, she's got to, She's lost the set, but she's got to find a way to regroup. Because you'll see them like talking to themselves, right? Sometimes, yeah. yeah or just gathering sort of, your thoughts. Yeah, I've never actually thought about the 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 group element of that. It's just so commonplace. Barry Cowan listening to "You'll Never Walk Alone." <laughs> Very contemporary reference. Yeah. My only point I want to make is it's clearly <laughs> taken from team sports mm, and applied yeah. to individuals, and that's just supposed to be all right, is it? Regrouping. So what would you suggest in in alternative? Nothing. It's fine. <laughs> Use it. I'm just saying. I know what people are doing. That's the important thing. I, I'm I'm still happy with it. 
Have you got another half an hour lined up for this final question? Because it's very important. Alex Fishman, this is a very important but hitherto unposed question. He asks, why is a shot put high over the bar referred to as being ballooned over? Is it referring to one, a helium balloon rising against gravity, or two, the way a normally inflated balloon would go absolutely anywhere upon a gentle strike? (laughs) (laughs) never thought about this in my life but now i don't know i think the second one charlie says second one yeah i i think the second one because if you were to for for a start it's like in pretty much you need someone to hold the helium balloon down and then kick it but it would just go straight up wouldn't it so yeah and we've all kicked like you know just a stray party balloon that's knocking oh, about whatever yeah who and, has it, and, not and it done does that? sort of wobble a bit and it can go up we can go up or sideways and it can go fast or and then float back down so i think the second one is much more appropriate this is what concerns me charlie we've all kicked a stray party balloon at one stage or another and kind of been fascinated by how it behaves but is this are we biased we've experienced so many normally inflated balloons that we were ignoring the helium element I mean, it's literally true. They go up. They do, but they kind of sail over the bar. They they kind of just gently float upwards, whereas I think the balloon element is an element of kind of you're getting right under it, and it's kind of... As an erratic Yeah, I think so. I don't think think you'd balloon... There's a gentleness to a helium balloon that I don't think you get when you balloon a shot over the bar. And I I think helium balloons is is a slightly more niche uh, area of ballooning. Maybe. That's a fair point. You know, not everyone's as familiar with that. Whereas most people, as you say, say, have indulged in a bit of whacking a balloon around at a party. Have to get the uh, the Montgolfier brothers on uh, (laughs) Meza Highland Dicks to find out. Well, Gerard Piquet. Isn't Gerard Piquet investing in this big balloon sport of (laughs) some sort? You tell me. A balloonsman. He's a massive (laughs) balloonman, yeah. Balloons, man. He the Balloon World Cup. Gerard Piquet organizes <laughs> inaugural event. This is on the BBC. What do you mean the Balloon World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot. But the it's messenger. on Eurosport. Do you that mean is classic Eurosport? <laughs> that do you is mean very hot air balloons. Are you talking about hot air balloons? No, this is the balloon. The balloon game where genuinely what balloon game? What? Where you you have a balloon and you're just yeah. trying to keep it up. Oh, Don't let it touch the floor. The viral hit. Oh. And there is a Balloon World Cup and Gerard Piquet uh, is organising it. Charlie, thanks for joining the first adjudication panel of 2022. Welcome back. Thank you. It's uh, Yeah, good, good to get uh, things underway. Dave, time to regroup. Indeed it is. Yes. Yeah, very much. I'm glad we've regrouped. Thanks for everyone for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, in fact, with a very special Meza Harland Dicks. Hope you join us. See you soon. <sighs> nope. The Athletic.